This is the latest. Hi, it's Megan. And it's Carla, and you're listening to the latest. Uh, today we're going to be discussing the downfall of Liz Truss and the current state of the Tory government under Rishi Sunak and what his current plans are and future plans are. I can't actually believe it's only been seven days since Liz Truss decided to resign. It's been a crazy week in yeah, politics. Yeah, it's been a whirlwind. It's moving so quickly. So today we're going to try and break it down for you a bit more and so we can have a bit of a grasp on what's actually going on. I think it's only right that we start with Liz Truss and her 44 days in power. I know, short and brief, very short and brief. Like her res- resignation speech as well. I know. I think because the first two weeks obviously were very much overshadowed by the Queen's death. Yes, massively. The fact that the rest of her time was so chaotic, there's just a lot to talk about. Yeah, and it's also important to note that, that yes, she was only in office for 44 days, but two weeks of that, she was actually not doing much that she was like in Parliament. It was ground to a halt, and so she only had a short time to make quite a dire situation of the economy. I know. I mean, just all the different policies, all the U-turns. I know. So her and um, Kwarteng, he was a loyalist to her and she put him in as um, Chancellor and his drastic tax breaks and his mini-budget were very detrimental to the economy. I think especially the health and social care levy, the scrapping of that was just not ideal for the situation to be honest and she went against a lot of economists advice and she made bold pledges like tax cutting which no one thought that she was going to actually do straight away and that sent shock waves through even her own party i mean rishi sunak when they were in the leadership debate he was saying if you do these policies it's going to end in tears it's not going to work the markets will crash and the markets did go into quite a big decline after it, it all did. got announced. It really did. And it's um, interesting to look at what happened after Kwarteng made that announcement of the mini-budget. Apparently there are reports that he went to a champagne lunch after, <laughs> um, which does uh, draw speculation that perhaps he did want the pound to fall or maybe some of his close friends did want the pound or were betting against the pound but obviously that is just speculation i think following on from the whole mini budget and everything else quarteng's resignation Mm. slash sacking depending on how you look at it Mm. i think that was probably the start of what was the end for liz trust i don't think there was any way she was coming back from that he was obviously her ideological ally in the party they always were said to have got on really well, had very similar views on things. So the fact that she let him take the fall, when it was very clear that they were still her economic beliefs as well, they were very much in sync over that. Yeah, no, definitely. It was almost as if they both went against everyone's advice and they thought, both of them equally thought, we're right on this one, mm. which it is hard to fathom, but they were definitely in it together. So it was her pushing the blame massively, yeah. And then that was the end of that. Jeremy Hunt came in. Yeah, and he was basically the de facto prime minister. Like, he had all the power. He did. He reversed pretty much uh, her main things, like, as soon as he got appointed. 
um, which just went to sh- like show everyone that she had no power within her own party. Obviously, Jeremy Hunt is well known in the party. He ran against Johnson in 2019. He came second in that leadership contest. And then he was originally going to run again in the 2022 election. He did drop out quite early on in that race, but... He is a well-known figure in the party. He's had lots of different ministerial roles. Yeah, I so. think his most well-known one as well is also as health secretary mm. during the time of austerity and yeah. everything, um, which has had lasting effects. Um, but yeah, he's very well-known within the party. So I think that sort of gave him a lot of power. He's obviously got a lot of supporters within the party. And it was just really interesting to see how Liz Truss's power sort of just declined in that last week. I mean, I can't believe it was only just over two weeks ago that <laughs> he took over, but it's just felt like from that moment, Liz Truss just yeah. wasn't the main leader of that party anymore. She was sort of the side person. Definitely. She wasn't making the decisions. It was like Jeremy Hunt had said to her, let me take over mm. and that will help yeah, no, try and resolve definitely. some tension, but obviously it didn't. And I think the debate on fracking... Um, was put as a confident motion for the Tories and if they were voted against it they would lose the whip and wavering people were reportedly dragged mm. into the voting lobby yeah, causing I saw absolute that. mayhem. There were some big names being know, blamed for that. Therese Coffey, obviously the Deputy Prime Minister with Liz Truss and Jacob Rees-Mogg. Now there was no evidence that they actually were doing the dragging and the pushing but they were definitely there Mm. and there's photographic evidence of them being there so that didn't exactly look very good to the party yeah and even some quotes from uh, people that were dragged into the lobby being like uh, using profanities Mm. saying that it was mayhem so yeah it's um, not surprising that shortly afterwards she got that meeting from Sir Graham and from the 1922 committee and she was gone by 1.30 that day. Of course there is one person we haven't spoken about yet that's Suella Braverman and all the drama that came along with her and her resignation. Yeah so she resigned on the 19th of October following a mistake of sending emails from her private account and she was not a happy bunny about this definitely not. I, i've seen today that it was actually more than one email that she'd sent from that private account so i know in one of the highest positions of government and you're sending very secretive information or confidential information from your personal phone i don't I know. know it's a very rookie error um, but yeah, she did not have some nice uh, things to say about her position having to resign. Um, but uh, we'll discuss her a little bit later because she does make her reappearance. I thought there was quite an interesting debate on whether Suella Braverman made it out she'd resigned. Mm. Downing Street made it out that Liz Truss had forced her to resign. So there's the question of was Liz Truss, tr- Liz Truss trying to get a sense of sort of stability like she had control of the party but then Suella Braverman's letter which I have got here made it sound very different she said pretending we haven't made mistakes carrying on as if everyone can't see that we have made them and hoping that they will mag- things will magically come right is not serious politics I have made a mistake I accept responsibility I resign I thought that yeah. seemed like quite a attack on Liz Truss because obviously days before Liz Truss had said we've made mistakes I'm sorry but she was obviously no there was no mention of resigning at that point yeah she said she was gonna 
keep fighting on, yeah. didn't she? I'm a quitter, not a yeah, fighter. Said that twice. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so her final speech as Prime Minister was on the 25th of October on a Tuesday um, and said that she could not deliver the mandate that was set before her and she resigned. What did you think of that speech? I thought it was quite uncomfortable to watch. It was uncomfortable to watch and you could tell it was an uncomfortable situation for her also. Mm. Um, It was very short as well, a very brief speech, less than five minutes, I think. Um, And it was almost as if she looked quite deflated, um, which I don't blame her for, (laughs) but... It was noticeably quick. The nervous laughter throughout was making me quite uncomfortable. Yeah. I just, it was not pleasant viewing. You could tell she was uncomfortable. Yeah. She was obviously pleased to be getting out of there by the looks on her face. Yeah, obviously, definitely. we will never know what was going through her head, but that's but it, what it looked like. It was commonly said about her deliveries in Parliament or just in public speaking that she did look quite robotic mm-hmm. and she was, uh, wasn't was the best of public speakers, especially in tough situations. So I wasn't really surprised at the nature of the speech and how that went down. I thought the most interesting aspect of the speech for me was when she said that her government had acted decisively in the times of tough decisions. I and I was thinking to myself, how can you say you've acted decisively when even you've done so party, many U-turns? Even your own party is um, they're saying that you have not. Um, I know. Acting like you have not. So it is very um, almost delusional, one could say. But I guess she wanted to leave on a high if yeah. you could say that you could say obviously when you're resigning all prime ministers do this they try and list their achievements yeah. what they've done in 44 days i'm not sure there's very much she could say so that probably explains why the speech was so short yeah, and so no, straight to the point of we need to move on she did try and unite the party though i did notice that there was lots of sort of i re- i wish wish you soon act well things like that to try mm. and sort of say even though i've not done well i still believe that us as the tory party can do well good luck (laughs) i know i thought there's another angle that i've not seen many of the main broadcasters touch on i thought that we could maybe talk about today and that's the mental health angle especially as a prime minister the toll that being in that power in that position can have yeah you could see just physically that she did have a different demeanor from when she first um, came into office mm-hmm. and she did look very disheartened and you could tell like the actual wet like her tiredness almost showing through when she was speaking it was quite uncomfortable and it was like even that if you agree or don't agree with what she's done in her policies and her ideologies you can almost have a bit of sympathy that it would be a horrible situation to be in. It's not a job I'd ever want to no, do. I'll just say not, that. Definitely not. But I just feel like it was from the day that Labour asked the urgent question on Quasi Corteng's resignation and Jeremy Hunt's appointment, and Liz Truss was supposed to answer this question. They'd called the Prime Minister to the House, and although she doesn't have to go to these things, it's up to her to decide who she sends people expected her to go. Then when she didn't go and she sent Penny Mordaunt and those questions of where's the Prime Minister, what's she doing? And Penny Mordaunt said she was she was under um she was doing like really important work, she couldn't make it, but obviously 
we will never know where she was. It did turn out she was at Graham Brady's office. Yeah. Allegedly. Though he was seen in the House of Commons that day. So how true that statement is, I'm not sure we'll ever know. But um, it's also important to um, mention that the mental health angle, I think, needs to be considered to almost every situation when you're judging someone, uh, like especially on their... Um, achievements in the workplace or lack thereof but it's was never really mentioned in the face of Boris Johnson and no. her male predecessors so it is it is interesting to look at and we can't exactly say that Boris Johnson didn't have a stressful time in office yeah no definitely. he definitely didn't handle things correctly there's yes. no no doubt about that yeah. but Even from he did have yeah. a stressful time in office and no one ever said what about Boris Johnson's mental health? Yeah, they didn't. They really didn't. There's the question of, is it because she's a female that they feel she can't handle the pressure, she's going to crack? Or is it that we just look at these people as two very different people? It was evident that Boris Johnson used to just try and get over things. He'd be like, oh, no, it doesn't matter, we're fine. Mm. And his personality was very different. His The way he handled himself in public was very different. And you almost knew what you were going to get with Boris. Like, you always knew he was going to be a bit of a performer. He'd put Mm -hmm. on a show. Whereas with Liz, in the final couple days, you you didn't know if she was going to be a fighter or be absent. I know, especially in Jeremy Hunt's little readout of the U-turns he was doing. She was sat there. And she was just looking straight into space. She was not paying attention. It, Jeremy Hunt had practically taken over the job for her at that point, And there was no going back. She was out of it. She was looking just straight ahead. People on Twitter were saying there's something really wrong with her. Yeah. We don't know whether there was. We don't know whether she was just like not in the mood to be talking. We don't know whether she was actually just listening to what he was saying. After all, he is the Chancellor. He was just reading out his economic budget and his decisions that he'd made. But there was a clear view on Twitter that there was something not quite right with what was going on. Yeah, definitely. And that was picked up on. So I feel like it's important to always know that even when people aren't getting things right, it's not always the best thing to be slating them on Twitter constantly because it can be, it's a difficult job. 100%, I completely agree with you. Um, But yeah, moving on to the future of the Tory party. So they decided that it would be down to a member's vote and it would be happening in a week. And the two main players were Penny, Mordock and Rishi Sunak. And um, Mordock uh, pulled out of the race pretty quickly. Um, But that was because she didn't have enough backing. She was saying she had over a hundred. She didn't. But then at one point we nearly had Boris Johnson as well. So, But actually the people that went out publicly, I think it was around 20 for her. Mm, 25, Um, I think it ended up being something like that. Nowhere near the hundred you needed. Yeah. But she did stay right up until the end. She was saying, I've got the hundred. I want to get it to the members of the party, not just the MPs. So... I'm going to get my 100 and then we can send it over to the members to vote. But obviously when the time came in the 11th hour, she did pull out of the race because she said she only had 90, Mm. not the 100 needed. Yeah, and as you said earlier, yeah, we nearly faced the return of Boris Johnson. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Uh, That was an unexpected uh, U-turn that, yeah, um, none of us would have really imagined that a couple of weeks prior. But... um, 
yeah he was on holiday at the time and there were whisperings and articles being written uh, calling for Johnson to return um, and there was uh, mumblings that he had uh, the support of 100 MPs but that failed to materialise. There was quite significant people backing him though there was Nadim Zahawi who yeah. obviously has had quite a big role in the government the last few years and Nadine Doris, of course, his yeah, bestie course. in government. <laughs> so there was quite a few significant people backing him. It was, at one point, actually quite a serious contender. Yeah, but it did uh, turn out that Sunak was the favourite, and um, he is actually the first British-Asian PM, and that should definitely be celebrated, no matter what your uh, political stance is. It is an achievement and it is very interesting to see that it has come from a Conservative government. I think it's definitely a sign of progress in this country. I think no matter whether you are a Tory supporter, whether you couldn't be further from a Tory supporter, acknowledging that this country has made progress in that respect is a positive. Definitely. But it was a a shame to see some um, backlash in the media because of that. There was a news caller... Um, into LBC News and they were saying that he's not British, he cannot be PM and it just, it really is disheartening to hear stuff like that but um, he now has the most powerful job in the country so um, it, it just goes to show that Hopefully this is the minority of people's views and um, maybe just uneducated. I was quite disheartened though to see that once again we do have an Oxford graduate as our PM. Obviously for the last 12 years with David Cameron, Theresa May, Boris Johnson, Liz Truss, all very much Oxford graduates. Mm. Penny Mordaunt would have been the first Prime Minister in 12 years to not have graduated from Oxford. She would have come from the University of Reading. So we could have had a little bit more diversity in in government, but sadly not this time. Well, uh, there is a massive uh, debate around Sunak and him as a person that um, he is actually out of touch and there's a YouGov polling report that 67% of people believe that he is out of touch. Um, An example of this was in his uh, constituency there was debates about shutting down the local pool while he was having one built in his um, mansion. Well, he is worth £730 million, so even more than King Charles. That's a vast amount of wealth. Yeah, he is the richest um, acting person in government, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, crazy. By a mile, I think, as yeah. well. It's quite a significant amount of money to be worth. Yeah. And there is questions over whether he, whether he is the right person to lead the country during such a difficult cost of living crisis, because I'm sure he won't be feeling it in his mansions so there is debate over whether that's the right thing for the country at the moment but a thing he does always pull pull upon is that he did introduce a furlough scheme and uh, that really did uh, shift public perception a lot and even though he does have a lot of right-wing policies furlough was a very left-wing socialist view and it was um kind of unexpected that it was coming from someone with those ideologies but he does have that to uh, fall back on and he can make that argument that he is in touch with the people because he did support working people. His speech when he went outside of 
outside of Downing Street when he was giving his welcome speech was like saying that he was going to be really compassionate and be a compassionate conservative. I think it remains to be seen whether that is going to happen or not. Yeah. But it would be interesting to see because Liz Truss was more, I'd say, on the right side of the party. Yeah, she really did appeal to the right side of the party. And her appointments did as well. Suella Braverman obviously was very right-wing with her views. So whether Rishi Sunak moves slightly more central, I'm never saying he's going to be a centralist, Mm. he's not but whether he moves slightly more central just to try and seem more relatable to Labour voters and Lib Dem voters and other voters who aren't predominantly Tories during this time of crisis. Yeah, so with his cabinet, he did appoint many old faces, such as uh, Dominic Raab, Gavin Williamson, and they were left out of Truss's cabinet, and there were um, opinions about Truss's appointments that she did very much favour people that were in her corner. Yeah. And it is um, seen in even Sunak's like, first appointments that even though it's very male-dominated, that was another comment on it. I but, saw that. It was yeah. like 7 out of 28 of his cabinet is now women. I know. Which is a bit disappointing once yeah. again. But um, a noticeable woman that he did reinstate even was Stella Braverman as Home Secretary and her speculation... Um, there was speculation that he had done that to appeal to the right side of the Tory party. Yeah, I think it's worrying Mm. because there's people questioning her integrity, whether she's actually competent for the role. And to then be be reinstated in a time when Sunak's saying that he wants the party to become trustworthy, to become much more open with the public. And then to reinstate somebody who's clearly made quite a few errors in a very short time is is questionable. I think it remains to be seen how the public continue to react to that. Obviously, it's not very happy at the moment. Labour did an urgent question on Suella Braverman's reinstatement. So whether that criticism continues for long enough that she will be removed or not does remain to be seen. I thought Penny Mordaunt's she wasn't promoted she was kept as leader of the house of commons which she was not very happy about i've heard from different sources that she wanted a role like foreign secretary where she could maybe expand her portfolio of roles that she'd had in cabinet it sets her up more in a position for a leadership role later in the future and the fact that rishi sunak didn't give her that i think it's questionable as to why i would say it's more because he wanted to punish her for not dropping out the race sooner he doesn't want to have someone as powerful as penny mordant maybe so close to him but i I don't know it's not seemed to have gone down very well with many people in the party yeah and um just going back to stella braverman she is quite a controversial figure and um even before her um resignation but she very much wants to carry on Cameron's aspirations, um, which he never met, about cutting immigrations to tens of thousands, which has never been achieved by a Tory prime minister or government before. And she spoke out with trade deals with India because she didn't want more immigration from India to be happening. And I think that really did rub Liz Truss the wrong way. It's her dream and obsession, apparently, Uh, for the flights of asylum seekers from the UK to be sent to Rwanda, which is a very right-wing ideal. And it just goes to show how outspoken she is and how she does appeal to that side of the party. And even though she is controversial, I think it is very tactical to have her on Sunak's side. 
Yeah, I do. It really does attract that side of the party and also her views on protests. Mm. Even in her resignation speech, she was discussing about how proud she was about the work she'd done with regards to banning protests, stopping sort of public disorder. But many left-wing, even more centralists, will just say, why are you trying to stop people from having freedom of speech, freedom to protest. There's definitely a lot of conflict over whether that's a suitable policy to have, but now that she's been reinstated, I think we'll definitely be seeing more on that protest front. Definitely. So there were big questions over the fate of public services. Um, Hunt and Sunak have both been vocal on their support for privatisation. Um, what are you thinking about that? I think it's not, it's not going to be great for the country if they start making cuts to the nhs at a time when we still really need them they're struggling after covid still if anything they need more support rather than cuts i do hope that even though maybe ideologically they do want to cut public services they'll see that in this time of crisis we need money going to the nhs i hope they don't decide to cut it now just to prove a point that they can that they have Mm the power to because they're very much ideologically aligned Sunak and Hunt so I hope they put the public's needs first whether they do or not does remain to be seen. Well Sunak claimed that he was going to fulfill the manifesto of levelling up and improving the NHS however it is important to look at who put the NHS in this situation Jeremy Hunt who we said earlier was health secretary at the time and he made mass cuts to the health service which is why it's looking in the state it is today um obviously the pandemic played a part in that but it's just interesting to see who is now in charge and their previous track record and if anything will change there is a massive push for party unity in a very very clearly divided Tory party at the moment yeah that should be a main goal of his is to unify the party. I'm not sure how well it's going to go when you've got people like Nadine Doris on Twitter publicly calling out Rishi Sunak all the way through this leadership campaign everyone else even Boris Johnson Penny Morden Liz Truss are all saying we will now support Rishi Sunak as he tries to bring the party together try to make them ready for a general election which I expect we'll see in about 2024. Yeah, that is looking like the um, most recent date of an election so far. I just can't imagine them calling it anytime sooner with the popularity so low at the moment. Definitely not. Um, And I don't think unless anything drastic changes that they will. No, but I just, I really think it'll be interesting to see whether the people very much who were in the party under Boris Johnson, whether they, and Liz Truss as well, whether they decide to come in and, create a sense of unity with with Rishi Sunak I don't know whether people like Nadine Doris will but whether she's really relevant anymore now she's not a big cabinet name whether that will have as much of an impact but it's definitely clear that the Tory party is not united and that Rishi Sunak's got a really long way to go to make it united enough for them to be able to win the next general election definitely and um, it's also a lot of uh, Boris Johnson supporters do view him as one of the main players that took him down Uh, so it is a very divided state at the moment Um, but yeah it's going to be a tricky one but um, he abandoned any um, remnants of the fracking 
the uh, fracking policies that Trust wanted to put through and he reversed pretty much everything that she's done so far. He's added an extra two weeks onto his budget um, and I think he's done that because the markets, as soon as he was announced, they did calm down a little. So I think he is viewed as a very almost stable leader as well more than trust yeah so he did feel confident enough to do that so that's definitely an improvement he did say that his main role was to fix trust's mistakes i thought that was quite an interesting way to put it when you're trying to promote party unity but at the same time i think he's trying to reinstate his like confidence in the tory party that the public definitely don't have and have lost massively under liz truss's run and it's also interesting to see that he was chancellor for a long long time before trust so a lot of the stuff that she inherited was the was from him yeah i think it'll be really interesting to see how many of his policies from when he was chancellor reappear now that he's prime minister whether any of them will whether he'll start again fresh because obviously we're in a very different social situation now to we when we were during covid it's completely different there's less need for sort of health support in respect to like test and trace vaccines now we're in the cost of living crisis it does remain to be seen how he'll handle that in a different way maybe yeah so we saw his first um prime minister's questions against uh the opposition Keir Starmer yesterday on the 26th of October and um he raved about putting 15,000 new police officers on the street. Um, I thought that was um, quite a big thing for him to say because it's important to remember it was the Tory government who cut police forces and uh, funding in the first place. Keir Starmer also brought up the non-dom status of his wife because obviously their massive wealth, it wasn't being taxed really in England because she uh, resided in America and he himself had a green card. So that didn't look too good on him, but he was quite strong in his responses and he did come off a lot more, I don't want to say determined, but he, he was a more strong speaker than Truss was, I'll put that. Do you think he's going to be more intimidating to Keir Starmer? Because it seemed to me when I've been watching PMQs the last few weeks that Keir Starmer saw Liz Truss as like an easy target. He would just attack and it would make Labour look quite impressive. Maybe more so than they did under Bo- when they were at, uh, Keir Starmer was against Boris Johnson because obviously Boris Johnson had the banter sort of style of PMQs that maybe Liz Truss didn't quite manage to to capture. Yeah, well, there there is a view that Labour still haven't proven what they actually stand for as much. And I think that is a big thing that uh, the Labour government really need to do to actually win the election when it does come about. But he did refer to that he wasn't democratically elected, which is a massive... um, thing that even some Tory members and Tory supporters were saying that this is the second Prime Minister that's been appointed by members and not by the general public. And that's been in three years. Like in three <laughs> years we've had three Prime Ministers, two of which were not like appointed by a general election. Usually you'd maybe have one. There'd be one changeover in a five year term if that maybe even in a longer period of time so to have three Tory prime ministers two of which were not democratically elected there is some calls a few for a general election what do you think on that 
So, yes, Starmer kept referring to calls for a general election and um, there are massive outcries for it, um, just from seeing on social media, um, especially when uh, Liz Truss resigned um, and it was uh, said to be going to a member's vote. Um, it's just, it is just the view that this is very unusual and this isn't normally how we would be assigning who's running the country. No. So I do understand the calls for a general election, but um, Labour actually has no way to force a general election. No, so it'll not only at happen all. if uh, there's enough Tory outcry as well for one. But the thing is, the Tories will never outcry for a general election at this point because they know they won't get into power again. Yeah, and there's just no hope. Yeah, it yeah. would be. The current uh, voting statistics were saying that 53% of people would vote Labour compared to 22% for the Tory party. So it's very clear that people are moving away from the Tory party, at least temporarily, yeah. because of all of the chaos that has brought been brought over the last, I'd say, year or so. It has been said that uh, Keir Starmer has um, said to his team and to other Labour MPs uh, not to post the polling when uh, Sunak uh, got in, which does perhaps hint to maybe a lack of uncertainty. Uh, and maybe he doesn't want to get ahead of himself. He doesn't want to be too confident because it has been seen that Sunak is a, he is a good talker and he may just unify the party. When I last looked online, there was a petition to call a general election. That was 890,000 signatures. And every time I refreshed, it was going up. So there is clear demand in this country for a general election at the moment. But I want to know what you think about whether, is it worth the chaos that a general election brings, obviously with the campaigning? Are we in a current situation where we think that's a good idea? I think, personally, it is the only way to get an elected leader into the position or that is from the public's opinion yeah and it is the fairest of ways but the classic Tory response to that is we're in a crisis it was when it was the pandemic and the party gay and stuff like that it was Boris Johnson being like there's a war going on there's a cost of living crisis there's it's too much chaos to call a general election but when will it be too much that is what I'm wondering and it's not even just calls from Labour saying it, it's from other political parties. And as you said, it's a large amount of the public that do want a general election. But I do highly doubt, unless the war in Ukraine ends and then like the energy crisis is like lifted, if that happens, I think perhaps a general election but that is very very unlikely to happen i do very much agree with you i just think the only issue is how much money goes into campaigning very true. in a cost of very living true. crisis it doesn't look great if labor are spending millions of pounds really on campaigns when people are struggling to eat 100%. and i just i don't know whether now is the right time necessarily for a general election i do think we need one i do really want one as well because i just think you can't have so many leaders from one government and it's clearly not working whether it will become too chaotic though in a time when we need someone who can just make quick decisions try and help ease the burden so i think a general election is definitely needed i just don't think we'll see one anytime soon like you were saying well 
was a really interesting conversation. Thank you so much. It's been it's been crazy it's the last few weeks. We've had a lot to talk about. A lot, a lot. And um, who knows? In a couple of weeks, it might completely change. We might have more to talk about. We might have a new leader again. <laughs> Give it another forty-four days. Let's hope not. But yeah, thank you so much, guys, for listening. And yeah, I hope you have a lovely day.